developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome into the Sports Memo College Basketball Betting Podcast with Robbie Vino and myself, Drew Martin. Robbie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am doing good today, Drew. Another Friday pod. Looking ahead to Saturday college hoops and maybe some AAF on this uh, pod as well. But yeah, it's uh, just another Friday. They seem to zip right by. Next Friday, we'll be talking about conference tournament action because for a handful of conferences in college hoops, tomorrow's the final day of the regular season. So uh, we, we've hit that time of year now where we're going to be staring down these tournaments. And next thing you know, be right into uh, Major League Baseball and the end of NBA season. And in this town, real quick, it's crazy. As you know, I'm a little bit outside Philadelphia, but the Bryce Harper signing yesterday, Drew, not to get off topic too much, but it has gone absolute bananas here. They sold 100,000 tickets yesterday in about two hours, single game uh, tickets for Phillies game. So town's alive. Love their Sixers. Love their Phillies right now. Of course, the Eagles. And uh, we got snow on the ground. It snowed three inches overnight. So <laughs> that's about what's going on here in southeast uh, Pennsylvania. Well, stay warm up there, Ravi. Uh, snow yeah. on the ground. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or, or, or a bad thing, if, if you enjoy it. I'm, I'm down here in Fort Lauderdale. And I guess a plane just crashed into uh, somewhere around Fort Lauderdale Beach. Just saw a headline. So uh, hopefully everybody's okay oh, with that wow. down in South Florida. But, uh, yeah, stay safe out there if you're in the snow, Ravi. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I would live for the warmer weather, Drew. But what are you going to do? You have to take what you're dealt here. So we handle it. No problem. Yeah, and guys, uh, check out Robbie's service. You know, he's going to have a bunch up for tomorrow's slate. We're going to be talking the Saturday slate of college basketball on today's podcast. So uh, the look-ahead lines, we're going to go off of Ken Palm's numbers. Robbie Vino also does his power numbers, so being able to compare the two, where the lines will come out, and also which uh, which side looking to bet, totals-wise or side-wise. So hopefully uh, grab some winners on tomorrow's card. Starting off towards the top of the card here, Robbie, a big one in the SEC, a Rematch, 2 p.m. Eastern tip on CBS. Rotation number 635-636, Kentucky at Tennessee this time. Ken Palm showing Tennessee 73, Kentucky 71. So uh, interesting numbers there. I, you know, in my estimation, Kentucky will be coming out as the uh, favorite, but uh, who knows? I could be wrong. Total of uh, that would put us at a total of 144 here, Robbie. How would you look to bet the uh, Volunteers hosting the Wildcats? Yeah, real quick, Drew, from a power ratings perspective, I think that a slight, very slight home court uh, number will come out in favor of Tennessee here. I show them minus one and a half, so pretty much in line with what Ken Palm has there at minus two. It could get turned around quickly by money uh, once the opener comes up in a few hours, but uh, right now I'm showing Tennessee minus one and a half. And, of course, it's a rematch from a game that wasn't played all that long ago, February the 16th. We had this first time around where Kentucky at home got the best of Tennessee in a big way. I don't even know, Drew, and, you know, chime in here if you agree or disagree. But in watching that game, 86-69 
almost does Tennessee justice, uh, that final score, because they were never really in this one. First half ended 37-31. Kentucky went on a big run, wind up winning by 17. They dominate on the glass, and it's going to be hard for Tennessee to reverse that trend here in this game. It's the same players and same fundamental capabilities, but Kentucky wins the rebounding more 38-24 in that particular contest, and Tennessee's going to have to change that. Head coach Barnes is going to have to do something to where Tennessee can close that number up a little bit. Shooting-wise, um, Kentucky shot the ball real well, 55% from the floor. And if they have a repeat performance in those two categories, rebounds and field goal percentage, it's going to be a long night for Tennessee. But I don't know that that'll happen. Um, the crowd's going to be absolutely juiced. It's a different environment from Rupp this time around. And, of course, you can throw in the revenge factor a little bit. I think the problem I have with Tennessee, Drew, and I it brought it up, maybe when we first covered the initial Kentucky-Tennessee game, but they've been kind of on a descent down, down, down for at least, in my estimation, the better part of three and a half weeks now. In other words, they've been playing below expectations. If they're you know, 12-point favorites, they win by three. Uh, and that stuff's been going on for a while here with Tennessee. So can they right the ship and get a big win here over Kentucky, the game that all eyeballs will be on? this Saturday it's very possible but you have to have big games out of your veteran guys and I think that that point guard matchup again between Hagens and Bone is a is a real big deal here we'll see if Williams and Schofield the leaders of that Tennessee team can bring it home I you know if I were to look to play right now Drew if you like Tennessee let me put it this way if you like Tennessee I think I would wait I have a feeling that there'll be Kentucky money here. Um, I don't know that the revenge in the home floor is enough to sway betters toward the Tennessee side right away. Um, If you get a little bit of Kentucky money, you can jump in on Tennessee here. Either way, this game could go. But at 144, let's talk about the total here real quick, too. 144, the first game hit 155. And that's another number I'm not sure of this time around. Uh, Tennessee defensively to give up 86 points this time, I just don't think that'll happen. Uh, Kentucky not generally a mid-80 scoring team, so perhaps a look toward this under 144. First time around, it wasn't much higher than that. Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but I feel like this total was maybe 146, 145 and a half the first time. So there hasn't been a big adjustment. I just think that the game might be played a little differently this time, more of a defensive nature. Yeah, no, you bring up some good points, Robbie. Uh, in, in you know the revenge factor, I, I don't calculate that. And I mean, yeah, the home the home court that that matters, and, and I think it's factored into this line, I, it, both yours and uh, Ken Palm's line, as far as what the numbers should be. I just still think you know Kentucky should should be favored. They're the better team, like you said. The rebounding that's not gonna. I don't see that changing a lot. Um, Higgins, I'll take him any day at the point guard. And just Kentucky is a bet-on team for me, Robbie. I'm not looking to really fade them at all. And you bring up the the fact of Tennessee kind of not falling apart, but, you know, their last four games, what, they're 2-2 two and two the last two weeks. They really haven't looked that good, and you're just going to pick them off, off here at home against Kentucky to, to turn it around. I don't buy that. I don't like that profile. This is Kentucky or pass for me. So uh, that's how I view yeah. this SEC one. You know, I would add one thing to that, Drew, just from a handicapping standpoint for, for in, in favor of Kentucky here. You know, that game against Arkansas 
a couple nights ago was a near miss for UK. And if there's anything that a coach loves more, it's to have a result like that where your heavy favorite, you barely scrape by, and John Calipari can go in. A game like that preceding a huge matchup for conference supremacy, so to speak. And if there's anything head coach Cal would have loved, it would be that uh, ending up in a victory and having it be a close call because he can coach these guys. Uh, I would expect them to be extremely focused for this one as well. It's a tough, tough call here. There's um, obviously, in, in most handicaps, there's arguments for both sides. This one, I think the number would probably make the decision for most but for me i just feel like the total might be the better way to go here maybe a little bit of under 144 if uh that ken palm number is what we see for an opener all right Robbie. let's move down the card a little bit still 2 p.m slate here uh game number six three nine six four zero in the big 12 iowa state at texas Ken Palm showing Texas a home court 71-70 victory. That would give us a total of 141. This one on ESPN2. Cyclones, Longhorns, Robbie, how do you view it? Yeah, again, most of these games that we'll talk about here, Drew, conference-wise, have been played once already. So we have a little bit of history. We see the fundamental matchup between the two the first time around. It's a little bit of a gauge here for us. I think let's start with the Texas side here first, though, because what they've done the last two games without their lead guard, Kerwin Roach, really has surprised me. Um, They played much better than I expected without him on the floor. Now, can that is that sustainable? Uh, In my mind, my personal opinion is it's not sustainable. I don't know that they can go a long string of games and he's out indefinitely I mean there's no indication that Kerwin Roach is coming back anytime soon so for Texas you wonder if that subtraction not just from the starting unit not just from being the top playmaker on the team not from just being the leading scorer on the team but in addition from a rotation standpoint when the rotation gets slimmed down uh, by a player of that caliber at this time of year all right, you did it once. Okay, you got there twice. Um, Shaka Smart's a real good motivational coach, and he can get his guys up. But there comes a time where, you know, that absence shows up. And against Iowa State here, it just might. And the line, as you indicated just now, according to Ken Palm, would be Texas minus one in this game. I happen to agree with that. Uh, my power ratings show the same thing, and it could be a good spot to take advantage of. Iowa State in this particular matchup. First time around, they win it 65-60. to And Roach was a big part of that game. I mean, he led Texas with 19 points. Uh, obviously, leading shot taker, makes all his free throws. So that production, uh, to me, even though Texas at home will be missed by them in this game against an Iowa State team, which... In their own right, um, was fired up on Monday night against Oklahoma. Remember, they were off back-to-back losses, took on OU, and I think they were laying nine in that game. They wind up winning and really stretching out the lead late. That that game was tight for a long time, and then Iowa State at home opened it up, wind up winning by 17. Uh, they've been a streaky team this year, so where Iowa State's concerned, I prefer to ride 
whatever situation they're in right now, I would say that's a confidence building win for them. A lot of the articles I had read up to that game, uh, preceding the Oklahoma game, had guys just uh, kind of scratching their heads and seeking a game where they could reestablish themselves as what a lot of people, including myself, thought would be the best team in the Big 12 once they were totally healthy. Good game on Monday night. I think they can, you know, they've got the backcourt ability to make Texas pay for not having Roach here. Like I say, first game was real close, but that was with the 19 points from Kerr and Roach. I don't think that happens this time. Uh, If Texas comes favored, I'm pretty sure I'd be on the Iowa State side plus the one. And how do you look to to bet Texas overall without Roach, Robbie? I mean, do you think they slow the pace and look unders, or it somehow could this possibly help them overs or just straight fade on the Longhorns? You know, it, the first half of the Oklahoma game, which is the first game that Roach was out, that first half was extremely high scoring. Then the second half went right in the tank, and it winds up 69 pretty low possession game it's hard to gauge the Baylor game because it went overtime but it was still played at a pace near closer to 70 than it was to mid 60s so Texas still kind of in between my opinion is Shaka Smart had a fairly methodical team to begin with tempo wise so when you take the lead guard out you would think that that would either remain or get slower Uh, for me I just think no matter what tempo they play I think they're going to end up missing the point production that Roach was giving them and the leadership that he was giving them, especially if you're talking about a game here, Drew, where we have it projected as a one-point ball game, one team favored by one. Uh, Then last-second shot stuff comes into play, late free-throw shooting comes into play, and Roach was everything for them in those instances. Uh, The playmaking ability to get it to the big. So, like I say, once or twice... Okay, the Oklahoma game, okay, the Baylor game, okay. Iowa State's a step up in class here for them over those two teams, and I think that it might start to show here. We'll see. Um, like I say, Smart's a really good coach, and he gets his guys to play, but I just think they're a little too shorthanded, uh, and I would look toward Iowa State. Okay, great breakdown there, Robbie. Thanks for explaining that. Because Texas is a team I really haven't been involved with too much this season. You know, I, I obviously aware of the Roach uh injury but I, I I don't know too much about him as a, as a player as far as like you know his defensive abilities are, are they gonna miss a lot on that on that side of the floor do you know yeah they will um, because smart unlike the way he used to coach at VCU which was that havoc defense they're not that 94 foot team um, but in the half court uh, your point guard is you always you always bring up Hagens. Um, and rightfully so, because his half-court defense on the ball is extremely impressive, and it slows other teams down. And with Roach, you kind of lose that. So um, it's for me, his loss is more on the offensive end. But you can't ignore what he does on the defensive end, and you can't ignore what he does on the free throw line and assist-wise uh, for that team. So they, there's a lot of categories there, Drew. That's a mouthful yeah. uh, with him. And, and they've, like I say, they've exceeded expectations where I was concerned. I expected them to take a nosedive. They didn't. Is it a product of Oklahoma and Baylor? I know we've talked about Baylor a little bit on the show. And, um, you know, in talking to you, you're of the opinion that Baylor, eh, you know, they're middle of the road, big 12. Oklahoma, I would say, eh, they're middle of the road, big 12 as well. So maybe the step up is when they finally miss their leader uh it's hard for me to believe that they're gonna go from here 
through Texas Tech their next game, uh, TCU, and then into the Big 12 tournament and just continue to play extremely well without him on the floor. Guys, check out Robbie Vino on sportsmemo.com. He's got his uh, CVB 5% hitting it over a 70% clip. Granted, it's just 5 and 2. He's very selective so far this year. He'll likely have one tomorrow. 5% top play up at sportsmemo.com. And remember the coupon code CBB100. That's CBB100 at checkout for Robbie Vino or myself, Drew Martin. Rest of the college basketball season for $100 off. That will uh, get you all the way through the Final Four National Championship game for just $325. No extra charges later. That coupon code is CBB100 at checkout. Robbie, moving down the card here, we got 687688. 4 p.m. Eastern tip on ESPN, heading to the AAC. UCF, the Knights, traveling. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Houston to take on the Cougars. 62 for the Knights, 70 for Houston. That's how Ken Palm puts it. A 132 total. I believe Houston, Robbie. As far as record-wise, I could be wrong. I believe they have the best record in the country, 27-1. and um, Possibly top 10 team, you know, definitely top 20 team in my opinion. But uh, UCF coming in, a uh, strong team themselves. I believe what, you put them on the bubble, Robbie. They still got something to play for, I believe. So uh, how would you look to bet this AAC matchup? Yeah, and it's, you know, we're going to talk about this game, Drew, because it's not often in the AAC that Houston has the potential to get pushed by an opponent but this particular opponent uh ucf played him close the first time around granted the game was at home 77 68 houston victory in that one i think the biggest thing that you take away from that game is that central florida's you know third year starting center taco fall only gives them 19 minutes in that contest there was some foul trouble uh you know when you only get 19 out of 40 out of the big guy then there's going to be a little bit of uh trouble for central florida certainly on the defensive end where he's a maybe the best rim protector in the nation right now so if he can stay on the floor here that's a plus for central florida for sure i think when we start to talk about houston one thing's obvious to everybody uh kelvin sampson's team plays intense defense 40 minutes uh they seem to have no let up drew when i watch them they're just, that group plays as hard and you would think with a 30 plus game college basketball schedule that there'd be an instance where you let up 
but they just don't let up. Uh, the defense is relentless. But on the offensive side of the floor, I think it just starts with trying to eliminate the three-point shooters on that team because when they get it going from three-point range, and ask East Carolina. East Carolina is a team that in the last two years hasn't figured out how to stop Houston from shooting threes. Houston racks up, I think, over 90 twice and over 100 once against East Carolina in the last three meetings. But if you can slow these guards down a little bit, Corey Davis, Armani Brooks, these guys who shoot the three so well, um, 40% three-point shooters, then you have yourself a chance. Uh, Because Central Florida can match them defensively, and Central Florida has guys that can put it in the bucket themselves. B.J. Taylor has been there as long as Taco Fall has been there. B.J. Taylor, the point guard for this team, extremely good offensive uh, basketball player. And coach's son, Johnny Dawkins' son, Aubrey Dawkins, has been real good as well. So they've got multiple weapons, but they have to be able to contest the three. They have to be able to stop the three. First time around, they did it. Houston only goes 7 for 27 from the three-point line. But again, the absence of Taco Fall in that one led to a lot of easier points in that game. Houston got to the free throw line quite a bit. And Central Florida, you know, go through their box score in that game. 14 of 27 from the free throw line was UCF. You leave 13 points on the table. Not that you're supposed to make every free throw, but let's give UCF, you know, an extra five free throws and you have a four-point game. So they need to do something from the line. They need to keep fall on the floor. I think, to tell you the truth, that they can be very competitive here. The question is going to be for Central Florida um, as I view them, I view them as a much better home team than road team. Uh, it's a 21-6 and six ball club, so they're a good club. But their performances at home, especially on the offensive end, to me, seem to be uh, better than they are on the road. So they're going to have to find a way to do a few things here. But if you get enough points, they might be a live dog. And like I say, Houston just hasn't been pushed very much by any anybody. It happens very on very rare occasions, and maybe Saturday will be one of those. Robbie, we got another game here. Uh, Mid majors of sort. What one do you do you um, consider? You know, UCF, Houston, or Nevada, Utah, as as mid majors, or or how do you classify those te- type of teams? You know, they're teams that could play in a power conference, Drew. But you know, when you break down their conference overall, they just have to be considered mid majors, right? Because these are teams that play half a dozen <clears throat> or more squads that are no better than mid majors. So when we look at Houston and that AAC, which is getting better. Um, and when we look at the Mountain West, which just has, you know, again, a half dozen or more adequate teams. And then we're going to get to the West Coast Conference where Gonzaga sits. And yeah, these are all teams that would be great. You'd love to see Nevada, Nevada, Gonzaga, Utah State, St. Mary's. Any one of those four teams would probably win the Pac 12 this year. But they're in Western conferences that just have um, a lot lesser talent. So I consider them mid-majors for sure, even though they could play in major conferences. Well, we got an 8.30 tip Eastern time, 5.30 Pacific, CBS Sports Network, Nevada at Utah State. This is a closer uh point, you know, point projection than I thought, 72-71 actually favoring utah state over nevada 143 the total according to ken palm um are you as surprised as i am in in these numbers robbie actually no um utah state has been on an absolute tear as of late 
I made the game Nevada minus a half a point. So right near Pickham, which, you know, he's on the other side of that with the Utah State side, but we're in the same vicinity. Um, but no, I'm not really surprised at the closeness of it when you factor in, again, home floor is going to be a big thing here uh, in Logan, Utah. Utah State's been, like I say, on a, on a tear. And it's been a long time since they played the first game in this two-game series, Drew. This one was played way back on January 2nd when Nevada was um, rolling extremely strong at that point and Utah State went into Reno and you know came out of the Lawler Center 23-point losers. Uh, probably didn't know what hit them at the time. The Nevada side as we continue through the college basketball season and get to see more national coverage, they've got the bigger names, right? Everybody knows by now the Martin twins, Cody and Caleb. Everybody knows Jordan Caroline. Um, fun fact, Simeon Rice's son, Simeon Rice, star defensive end at Illinois and then in the NFL for a lot of years. Um, but people don't really know Utah State. When you turn the TV on Saturday to watch this game, which is a real important game in the Mountain West Conference, um, you'll get to see a kid named Sam Merrill who's the offensive leader for Utah State. But they've got other guys on that team. Uh, Brock Miller's a very good shooter. And Queda underneath, a very good rim protector. So they match up <clears throat> pretty well. I, I would say this. Nevada's got far more big game experience having done what they did in the tournament last year. That always helps, especially when you have to go on the road. But, you know, for, for me in calculating power ratings and updating power ratings after each and every game over the course of the last 10 days or so, Nevada has sunk a couple of points. Um, whether or not it's that time of season where you've played 20 some odd games and you're a little bit tired. Remember, the Wolfpack doesn't have a deep rotation, Drew. Eric Musselman doesn't go that deep into his bench. There are about seven guys that play all the minutes. And at this time of year, when you're favored by you know, double digits every single game, it can be, it can play a little bit of a mental game with you and you don't focus all the time. So part of that comes into play. It won't happen here. They'll be focused. Utah State will be focused. That particular gym will be crazy on Saturday night. And Utah State has the components. I, I think this, number one, Utah State won't score 49 points again. You can mark that down. As great as Nevada is defensively, they're comparable to what I just said about Houston. Uh, Nevada can play lockdown defense. Utah State won't be held to 49 points. They won't be held to 16 of 61 from the floor or 4 of 23 from 3. That's just not going to happen. So they're going to increase their scoring. Um, Nevada didn't have a great offensive night either in that particular contest, scoring 72. So I'll be interested to see where this total comes. <clears throat> uh, Ken Palm projects it to be about 143, which to me seems right on the nose. I don't know that I could play it either way. I'm kind of looking for a number specifically to make a to make a wager here. But I think that Utah State does have the ability. I don't know that they'll get it done. It wouldn't surprise me if they get it done watching them this year. They're an explosive offensive team. And if they get on... You know, let's say they go on a 12-0 run or something like that and get the crowd fired up second half. It'll be a tough road to come back for Nevada. Although last year in the NCAA tournament, they had plenty of experience in come from behind games where they won a few. And in the end, that game against Loyola of Chicago, they fell just a shade 
short in a comeback uh, mode. So they're no stranger to that particular uh, situation. Great game, Drew. I, the only reason we're talking about it here on the air today is because we don't generally talk about the Mountain West. There's no matchups to talk about in this league. This is one where you could turn on the TV and find two real good teams. For Utah State, let's put it this way, it's going to be real hard to make it as an at-large into the NCAA tournament. Nevada's in as an at-large, so there's more at stake for the Utah State side in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Nevada will make it as an at-large. And do you think Utah State, if they win out and then maybe lose in the Mountain West championship game, they're they're still out? I think it would depend on how close that Mountain West championship result is. I mean, if it's a two-point game, three-point game, then I think they'd be under heavy, heavy consideration as an at-large. Drew, they would have to be. I'll tell you right now, power ratings, they rank right with, if not better, than a lot of the teams that are being considered for last four in, last four out, that type of thing. I, Me personally, I would put Utah State in ahead of a bunch of those teams. So a win here will go a long, long way for Utah State. We'll see if they can get it or not. All right, Robbie, let's do one more game here, guys. And remember the coupon code CBB100 at checkout for the rest of the uh, college basketball season for $100 off. We got uh, last game up. Degenerate special get back game on ESPN, 10 p.m. Eastern tip, 7 p.m. Pacific. Gonzaga at St. Mary's. Gonzaga, eight point favorites on the road, 79 71. According to Ken Palm, I shouldn't say eight point favorites. Uh, that's just the projection by Ken Palm's numbers. 150 the total, Robbie. Have at it on uh, this nightcap. Yeah, I projected to be a little higher, Drew. I show Gonzaga 10 points. Uh, over St. Mary's first time around, I mean, 94 to 46. Are you kidding me? They scored more than double what St. Mary's scored in that game. And St. Mary's, um, just to put it into perspective for you, power rating wise, the same as the Utah State team I just talked about uh, in the prior analysis. So it, they're not a joke of a team. It's not Randy Bennett's vintage squad, uh, but certainly they've had a good year. And they've blown a lot of people out. But, boy, when they played Gonzaga at home in Moraga the first time around, they got absolutely whipped. And I, for one, don't see anything changing. Um, We saw Gonzaga last night, Drew, basically in the first half of that game go through the motions, 39-20 half. And then when it had to be done, they absolutely blew Pacific out of the water and wind up winning that game comfortably by 20 points. They might have been in look-ahead mode to this game. Uh, excuse me, the first time around the game was played in Gonzaga. I said uh, Moraga the first time, St. Mary's home floor. This is going to be on St. Mary's home floor this time. I don't think any of what happened the first time changes. Gonzaga, for those who have seen them play, they'll beat you any of a hundred ways. They can beat you solely on defense in a low-scoring game if you want to turn the game into a crawl session and play half-court offense the entire time and think that you can milk the shot clock and maybe stay close. They'll crush you that way because they're better on the boards. They're better defensively. Uh, they have shot blocking uh, ability. And then if you want to get into a fast paced game, they'll absolutely annihilate you because they're one of the best open floor teams in the country. You could argue they're one of the top three open floor teams in the country. St. Mary's just doesn't have enough weapons whatsoever 
um, it, to compete with this team, which is so deep as well. First time around, just to give you some quick numbers here, St. Mary's goes 15 of 58 from the floor, 26%, 1 of 13 from three-point range. Now, that is your key factor anytime that St. Mary's plays Gonzaga because St. Mary's is so dependent upon the three to do their scoring. They're an efficient offensive team under Coach Bennett. Uh, they like to be methodical. But who the heck wants to work against the Gonzaga half-court defense? I don't think anybody wants to try to go to work against Gonzaga's half-court defense. So they have to, you know, in my estimation, find ways to get open floor points, get rebounds, and when the opportunity presents itself, run and get a cheap layup. But St. Mary's isn't wired that way. Um, Gonzaga does not give up a lot of rebounds. They're a tremendous offensive rebounding team. Um, so it's it's real hard for St. Mary's fundamentally, Drew, for me to make a case where they could tighten things up. I mean, sure, they could lose by less than 48. Don't get me wrong. But I mean to make this a game within point spread consideration, eight points uh, projected by Ken Palm, 10 by myself. Gonzaga comes focused. I just don't even see that happening or coming close to happening. Uh, it's a real contrast in styles. Gonzaga is the top tempo team in this league. St. Mary's is the you know lowest, slowest tempo team in this league. Anything St. Mary's can do, Gonzaga's got an answer for. A lot of the things Gonzaga does, St. Mary's has no answer for. So um, again, it's a good team, and it's the second best team in the league, and they've destroyed opponents other than Gonzaga in this league, but they're thoroughly outclassed in my estimation. Home floor is not enough. And we'll look maybe at the total here too, because even though they won't get held to 46, I don't know that St. Mary's can get to 60 against this team in all honesty, Drew. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I think Gonzaga minus the points will probably be the right way. Robbie, great stuff. As always, guys, check out Robbie Vino's uh, 5% plays up at sportsmemo.com. He's uh, doing very well in those. Also, the 4 and 5 percenters, 45 and 33 run. That's uh, 58% on best bets. So uh, full card tomorrow, guys. Look out uh, early tomorrow morning for a bunch of plays coming up on the website. And remember the coupon code CBB100 at checkout for $100 off rest of the college basketball season. March is here. It's March 1st today. Tomorrow, Saturday slate is March 2nd. So uh, March Madness of sorts is here. Best of luck out there, guys. Have a fun, safe weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.